You're listening to Stage Combat, a mental health story of what really happened behind the scenes at the Goodspeed Opera House in East Haddam, Connecticut, during its 2019 production of Billy Elliot, the musical. Stage Combat is a true story of the narrator's personal experience during his mental health journey from 2019 to 2023. This podcast contains actor portrayals of actual events. The names of the members of the cast of Billy Elliot have been changed. Stage Combat contains strong language and addresses mental illness. Check the show notes for more details. Haywood Productions LLC offered Goodspeed Musicals, Inc. and the Goodspeed Opera House Foundation, Inc. the opportunity to include a statement in each episode of Stage Combat, including an option to deny the events as depicted. They declined. Haywood Productions also offered Goodspeed's artistic director and managing director the opportunity to appear on this podcast to discuss the narrator's account of his experience at the Goodspeed Opera House. They both declined. It's Friday, October 11th, 2019, and I'm backstage at the Goodspeed Opera House for the evening performance of Billy Elliot. You could say it's been a whirlwind day at the Goodspeed, because all hell broke loose over what was a minor safety request last night. I was experiencing dizziness in fight call, and privately asked the fight captain, Aaron, for Chad not to slap my back so hard. Chad went ballistic and lodged a complaint against me. Now Sean says I purposely punched him in the back. He also mysteriously informed General Manager Rachel Tisch. I have nothing left to give on this, and I will need to take action for myself. What I don't know is management has been furiously emailing each other. And I discussed what direction we wanted to go. I haven't seen any behavior that would cause me to replace Sean. I don't feel close enough to this to fire someone. Replacing Sean will cost good speed money and will I would just say he's difficult. It's time to get my agent involved. I think given your relationship with the theater, you could help put a stop to this. I'm happy to help. You have a show in 20 minutes. You want to call me after the show? Oh yeah, I've got a three-hour show ahead of me where I will dive to the depths of despair and break down crying twice in front of an audience. Okay, Hayden, just breathe. At least I've got a plan. One, get a meeting between Goodspeed and my agent to stop this. Two, continue to have no interaction with Chad. And three, find some way to get through the rest of this show. You're listening to Season 2, Episode 3 of Stage Combat, The Whistleblower. What are you doing after the show? Amidst the hustle and bustle Another of the casting crew, I feel my panic symptoms are getting worse. I mean, it's Billy my dizziness, my shortness of breath. I'm in distress. I feel like Chad's puppet. Because Chad wants to control when I can choose not to look at him on stage. He doesn't think he's getting enough eye contact from you on stage. When I can look at him. I don't like the way Sean is looking at me in this scene. When I can say the stage combat is too rough. I didn't do anything. 
That wasn't too hard. After I finish my first scene in Act 1, I go to my dressing room and open my laptop. What I don't know is I'm about to give Michael Gennaro the very thing he just asked for a couple of hours earlier. I I think Sean should be told I want to meet with him. I email producer Donalyn Hilton and general manager Rachel Tischler. Given the new round of baseless claims leveled yet again by chat this week, my agent, who I understand has a good relationship with the theater, is going to give you a call to discuss. As I said to Rachel today, enough is enough. I am tired of being nice about the insanity of this. We all know these claims are going to continue for the remaining six weeks of the run. I, for the life of me, do not understand why someone with the theater is not sitting down with this actor and telling him to knock it off. This constitutes a continued work environment of harassment. I do want it to stop now. Should my agent's call go to Rachel? I had sent. But Donalyn Hilton doesn't reply. Neither does Rachel Tischler. I return to the stage for my scenes. I'm having a really hard time. I'm short of breath. A sense of agitation. talking to myself. Panic. So I don't pass out. I cannot balance. Is way off. I'm stumbling. I fear falling down the stairs. Panic. 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 Act two comes along, and I get to that big kitchen fight between Dad and Tony. The end of the fight is a critical sequence that has been carefully planned because it involves a child entering into the combat sequence. One break and any link in the sequence and someone could be hurt. And tonight, Chad is going to break that link with just a single word. I've been staged with my back to the child actor playing Billy. Billy is supposed to run up to me from behind and grab my arm to try to stop the fight between Dad and Tony. But Dad accidentally hits Billy in the face. Tonight, Ryan is playing Billy. I'm waiting for the counts in the orchestra when I'm supposed to throw my right arm back. Because I'm staged with my back to Ryan, I can't see him. If I am off, Ryan will get hit in the face with my elbow and be hurt. As we approach the end of the fight, Chad is lying on the ground. I is dad. I'm on top of him, trying to stop the fight. As usual, Chad is Tony yells, Get off of me! As I'm about to pull back my elbow in front of a 10-year-old boy's face, Chad suddenly, for the first time, screams in my face, Fuck! It scares me, and I'm startled. I jerk back and suddenly stop the fight choreography. Wait, what is happening? That's not in the script. Yelling fuck in my face? You can't do that in a dangerous choreographed fight sequence. So what is Chad doing? Because with that single word, he's just thrown everything off. 
And then it occurs to me, where's the kid? Where's Ryan? Did I complete the hit in the combat sequence with my elbow? Was Ryan hurt? I see to my right, Ryan is continuing with the scene. He's not hurt. I'm on my knees on the floor in front of the audience. And I turn behind me to look at Chad. He's just calmly standing there, looking down at the floor with his thumbs in his pockets, like nothing has just happened. I turn back around and look out at the audience. Faces are looking back at me. Dad, at this moment, is supposed to feel the weight of his life as he pulls himself from the floor up into a chair. But it's me, Sean, pulling myself into that chair, feeling the weight of this insanity because Chad keeps pulling the same shit and good speed won't do anything about it. At the curtain call, Nicole, an actor who stands to the right of me, she grabs my hand. It's not a curtain call where the actors hold hands, but Nicole has been holding my hand in the curtain call ever since I collapsed. Tonight, I grab her hand back really tight. After the curtain call, I make my way through the cast and to my dressing room. I tell Aaron, the fight captain, what happened on stage. As usual, he gives me the Spockman big blank stare. It's maddening, like I'm in some Twilight Zone episode where no one can hear me speak. I want a written record of what happened on stage tonight. Now. I grab my laptop and start writing an email to Bradley G. Spockman. Chad was out of control in the kitchen fight and screamed fuck at the top of his lungs while I was on top of him. It scared me to death and I did not complete the hit to Billy. I repeat, I do not feel safe with him. He is not in control. I'm going to get hurt. I am going to end up in the hospital. I don't know how many times I can say it. He scares me to death. Minutes later, I see Bradley G. Spockman in the hallway. I tell him I want to talk to him. He walks into my dressing room. I sent you an email about what happened on stage tonight. Chad yelled fuck in my face. This was very dangerous. Spockman, the man who has given me nothing but blank stares, suddenly snaps. I'm sick of both of you. We're going to rehearse this tomorrow, and if this doesn't stop, I'm getting rid of both of you. I'm flabbergasted at his rage, at his threat, but I don't back down. This is bullshit. I am not the problem here. I have told you guys over and over about him. I grab my bag to leave. As I walk out, Spockman's underling, Naomi, is standing outside the door. She stares me down. I head for the stairwell. Spockman yells at me from my dressing room door. Rehearsal tomorrow. I yell back, yes. I rush down the stairs and barrel out of the stage door. 
what has just happened? Every time I pleaded for help, nothing but blank stares. Tonight, he's telling me what he really thinks. And that's the guy responsible for my safety? I get back to my housing and I call my agent. I tell him what just happened. Well, that's unacceptable. The stage manager can't do that. We both agree I must report Bradley G. Spockman to management. A few minutes later, I write what I realize is an internal whistleblowing complaint to Donna Lynn Hilton, to Rachel Tischler, copying Bradley G. Spockman, officially reporting that he has threatened me with termination for raising a concern about my safety and that of a child. Dear Donna Lynn and Rachel, I can't believe we have come to this. After tonight's show, I attempted to communicate with Brad Spockman regarding my safety in tonight's show. Brad's response was shockingly, I'm sick of both of you, we're going to rehearse it, and if this doesn't stop, I'm getting rid of both of you. This is unacceptable for a stage stage manager manager to to disregard an actor's concern about his safety, particularly given the track record of Chad thus far. I am not going to be gaslit here. I am not the problem. My agent has been apprised of the situation and the various emails repeatedly expressing my concern for my safety, and he will be contacting you to discuss. Signed, Sean Hayden. A couple of minutes later, Spockman reads my whistleblowing complaint. He emails Donalyn and Rachel. At least Sean saved me the trouble of forwarding his email. I did say I was sick of both of them. It's now after midnight, and Donna Lynn has read my complaint. She's read my email saying I fear I will end up in the hospital. And for the second time tonight, Donna Lynn decides not to respond to me. Instead, at 12.19 a.m., she forwards the emails to her boss, Michael Gennaro. And Michael Gennaro, the man at the top, considers what to do next. As I lay on my pillow and stare at the ceiling, my brain feels scrambled, my body feels pummeled. My mental state is completely shot. I think tomorrow morning, all the wounds will be exposed and out in the open. Goodspeed will finally be forced to have a real conversation about what has been happening at the Opera House. The next morning, Saturday, October 12th, I'm in my bathtub trying to pull myself together. I'm still emotionally battered from the trauma of last night. I woke up thinking there's no way I can perform today. I mean, how do I go back into the Opera House? But then I think I can't let Chad win. Not after what he did. And I can't let Bradley G. Spockman win. Not after what he said. Everything is about to come out in the open about both of these men. My phone rings at 9.50 a.m. I grab a towel and get out of the tub to answer it. It's my agent. Sean, I just got a call from Goodspeed. I think they're going to release you. What? And there's something else. 
They're saying something about Chad. He claims you issued a death threat last night. Haywood Productions offered The Goodspeed the opportunity to include a statement within this episode. The Goodspeed declined. Goodspeed's artistic director and managing director declined an invitation to appear on this podcast to discuss the narrator's account of his experience at the Goodspeed Opera House. Coming up on the next episode of Stage Combat, a mental health story. Donna Lynn Hilton jumps in. Sean, there were multiple opportunities for the performance concerns to be addressed, for the note to maintain eye contact to be taken, and it has not been done. But Donna Lynn has to know that what she is saying is not true. If it were, there would be a paper trail backing it up. There isn't. In my fragile mental state, are Donna Lynn and Rachel trying to distort my perception of the reality of what I know has happened. Stay tuned for a post-show talkback with Sean and his guest, psychologist Dr. Michelle Sherman. For theaters, I think there are a number of ways, and that came out in our study, that they could be supportive of of their people. And one of them is first just even acknowledging this, <laughs> but we realize we're asking to do difficult stuff and going to difficult places, uh, much less the demands on your bodies, minds, and spirits. And the artists I talked to said, no one mentioned that. <laughs> you know, there are decades of doing theater. People haven't talked about, A, how hard this can be. And then B, bringing in people who are experts, such as behavioral health consultants, who can be that person. That's coming up now. Hello, Stage Combat listeners. This is Sean Hayden, and welcome to our post-show talkback for Season 2, Episode 3, The Whistleblower. We're really happy to have back with us a guest from Season 1. Today, we have with us Dr. Michelle Sherman. Welcome back to Stage Combat, Dr. Sherman. Thanks, Sean. I'm really happy to be back. Last time we had you here and we talked about your medical study that you co-authored about the psychological effects on performing artists. At this point in our story, I guess it's an understatement to say that I do not feel my mental health is being supported, but I would like to turn after what has been a very intense episode conversation to think about what are the possibilities, what are the things that our theaters can be doing now to support the mental health of our performers? What are your thoughts on that? Oh, I think it's such an important topic, and I really appreciate the opportunity to dialogue about this with you, Sean, because not enough people are talking about this, (laughs) and so I'm glad that we can address this today. And can I just add, even after the pandemic, not enough people are talking about this. All we heard was mental health during the pandemic. It seemed like there was a little bit of a blip for a while, but now it's like (laughs) we're back. (laughs) For theaters, I think there are a number of ways, and that came out in our study, that they could be supportive of of their people. And one of them is first just even acknowledging this, <laughs> that we realize we're asking to do difficult stuff and going to difficult places, uh, much less the demands on your bodies, minds, and spirits. And the artist I talked to said, 
no one mentioned that <laughs> in other decades of doing theater. People haven't talked about, A, how hard this can be. And then B, bringing in people who are experts, such as behavioral health consultants, who can be that person. Can I ask you about something you just said? So what you were hearing in the medical study that we talked about in season one was the artist telling you there's a lack of acknowledgement of the really difficult work that they're being asked to do. And I think you and I have talked about this, this this attitude that it sort of comes from you're lucky to have a job and now you're on your own, do the job. I've always believed that's the mentality, not all theaters, but a lot of theaters. But the idea of what we're asking actors to do, and there's no acknowledgement that this is really tough stuff and it has a toll. Absolutely. And to do it seven, eight times a week uh, without any acknowledgement of that, yeah. that's a challenge. I mean, we wouldn't ask you know, a marathon runner to go, just keep doing that every day and just keep it up without acknowledging. We're asking you to have a huge tax and toll on your body, mind, and spirit. So I think, first of all, kind of acknowledging and then making space for, <laughs> you know, we talk about having keywords, like I need a break and I don't need to explain why, you know, but I just need to take a break. Having someone in the room who is going to be supportive and attentive of their mental health. So we talked about when we discussed your study last season about behavioral health consultants. Is this the type of person that ideally would be brought into a production? Exactly. It could be as well as someone who is a content expert in a certain thing, such as I was saying next to normal, someone who is an expert in perinatal loss, who really knows that sort of stuff. Because part of what I also heard the actors asking for was, Michelle, we want to be sure that we're portraying these things in an accurate way, not stereotyping, not leading into negative you know, stigma or sorts of things, but we want to portray this accurately. And, and let's face it, we as, as human beings often have our own life experiences that may be triggered, okay? Be it with a level of mental illness next to normal, be it, you know, with abuse, be it neglect, substance use, I mean, all sorts of things. So what can I do as an actor when I am triggered by my own history? <laughs> you know, I probably wouldn't say that to the director and maybe I had my own therapist or social support, but having someone there in the room who can be a safe person for me can be huge. So Michelle, with regard to a behavioral health consultant, if an actor found themselves in crisis and you know didn't have a doctor, didn't have a therapist, is that someone who could at least direct them in the right direction? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, they would not be serving in the role of long-term therapist, but they would absolutely be able to be there to help navigate and know about community resources, you know, how perhaps to talk with the rest of the cast about what's going on, to help support them in the moment. Absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, what I'm doing, frankly, with the show that's coming up is I have actually pulled the, the local resource and said, who has expertise in working with theater professionals? So I have a list that I'll walk in and provide the first day to the cast. These are people in town who I know have expertise in this area. Because, you know, it's a distinct culture. And so finding ways preventatively and in response to if someone's really struggling would absolutely be an essential role of a behavioral health consultant. I love hearing that. And I think knowing that when I had my panic attack and had no vocabulary about what was happening to me, you know, it's a foreign event to my body. Something like that, I think, would have helped me tremendously. Absolutely. That's exactly what it'd be there for. I just want to ask you something. I think one of the good things out of the pandemic, we see a lot of theaters leading on diversity, equity, inclusion, putting that into their mission statements. I've seen some theaters acknowledge we sit on the lands of indigenous people. I'm really surprised I don't see 
mission statements reflecting we are committed to protecting the mental health of our performers, the performers we are exploiting on stage to sell tickets. Listeners, if you are seeing mission statements changing like that, I would love to hear about those. I would love to commend and applaud those theaters. But what do you think about that idea from a leadership standpoint for our theaters? I love it. Absolutely. I've never seen it. <laughs> I've never seen it, but I absolutely love it. I think it really speaks to the importance of well-being. And, you know, let's face it, half of all people will have some sort of diagnosable mental illness at some point in their lives. So we're not talking about the minority of people. I mean, mental health is health. <laughs> uh, and so the, it's super important that we do that. And I think if theaters can lead the way in talking about this as an important part of wellness as part of their mission statements, I think that would be amazing. I love that idea. Can we just expand the conversation and ask, what can we do as a cast and crew when we see someone amongst ourselves who is struggling with their mental health? You know, I think some casts really inherently do connect. Some don't, obviously. You know, if you notice that your partner or person or whatever else is really struggling, please reach out to them. I think that's what's so difficult about what happened in, in my experience. The circumstances and this sort of controversy, I think a lot of people, I don't blame them personally, but they just turned away because it was too uncomfortable. It was too messy, despite the obvious distress that I'm in. But I think we go into the theater world in such a protective mode. You know, I think that's our instinct to get the next job, to get the next opportunity, to not be associated with something that is now tainted. But we need to start talking about that that's not okay, and that one day you might be the person that needs the support yourself. I was recently asked to, I wrote an article for, based upon my experience for an HR magazine, and just based upon my experience, and what I I said was, we need to talk about mental health in every workplace, but particularly the theater. We need to talk about it every day, like our lives depend on it. And then when you see someone who's struggling then I think you will have a, you will be more responsive. Absolutely. And just, I mean, let's face it. If we don't do that, there's a human cost to the individual. But if you want to look at the directorial or even the financial aspect for a second, it's going to hurt your show. <laughs> your show's not going to be as good because everyone's going to be like, what's going on with Sean? What's going on with Michelle? Or da, 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 what do we do? Do we not talk about it? I mean, the ripple effects of all this on the whole show are, are tremendous. So taking care of each other has benefits, not only individually, but I would say collectively. Yeah. And, you know, that's something even I was aware of because this cast didn't ask to be drawn into a situation that was just simply not being handled, in my opinion, by my employer. So it's not fair to the cast. They came to do a show just like I came to do a show. But by not handling a situation that created a mental health crisis, now you've you've really affected the experience of those other employees. Absolutely. And Everyone misses out then, you know, and the final quality of the show is not what it could have been. Dr. Michelle Sherman, thank you for joining us for this post-show talk back. You've given us a lot to think about, and we just appreciate you being a part of this conversation on how our theaters can protect and support the mental health of performing artists. Thank you, Sean. I really appreciate it and totally sharing your mission. So thank you. Dr. Michelle Sherman earned her PhD in clinical psychology from the University of Missouri-Columbia. She is a fellow of the American Psychological Association 
and is board certified in couple and family psychology. She was recently named the Family Psychologist of the Year by the Society of Couple and Family Psychology of the American Psychological Association. She's published over 75 articles in peer-reviewed journals, and she's currently in private practice as a psychologist in Minneapolis. Remember, this podcast should not be considered a substitute for medical advice. So if you are experiencing any medical or mental health issues, please seek the advice of a medical or mental health professional. Hey, Stage Combat listeners, Sean Hayden here. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Stage Combat, a mental health story. Be sure to join us for episode four. It's called Rebuttal is Irrelevant. In our post-show talkback, Dr. Michelle Sherman will be back to discuss the ripple effects that occur when someone experiences a mental health crisis. Stage Combat, a mental health story is a production of Haywood Productions, LLC. Our consulting producer is Ian Southwood of Southwood Productions, LLC. This episode was recorded and edited by the awesome Andrew Lynn, and it was directed and read by me, Sean Hayden. Follow us on Facebook and TikTok at Stage Combat the Podcast and on Instagram at Stage Combat the Podcast IG. Rate us, review us, and follow us at your podcast platform. And did you know you can also listen to episodes of Stage Combat online? You can do that at StageCombatThePodcast.com, and you can also sign up there for the Stage Combat newsletter. We would love to hear from you. Your comments, questions, maybe you'd like to share your own experience. Email us at StageCombatThePodcast at gmail.com. Just a reminder, these episodes are intense in season two, so please take care of yourself. I hope today and every day brings you an opportunity to claim your story. I'll meet you over at episode four. If you or someone you know is in crisis or contemplating self-harm, you can reach out to the Suicide and Crisis Lifeline by simply dialing or texting 988. That's 988. Mental health assistance is also available through the National Alliance on Mental Illness. It's a free nationwide peer support service providing information, resource referrals, and support to people living with a mental health condition. You can call the helpline at 1-800-950-6264 or text HELPLINE to 62640. That's 1-800-950-6264 or by text to 62640.